Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, Edit Your Life friends. I am so delighted to have a fantastic food-related guest here, since I know how much you all love talking about food. Hello, Stacey Villas. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm excited to talk about food, too. (laughs) I am so excited, and I just want to embarrass you for a moment and share a little bit about you. So, listeners, in addition to being an amazing person with just super incredibly warm, beautiful, and wonderful energy. Stacy is a food expert. She's a mom of two. She holds a master's in child development. I mean, what things don't you do, Stacy? Come on. Um, <laughs> Exercise. And, well, yeah, there's always something's got to give there's somewhere, something. right? There's always something. Well, I will link all these things up in the show notes, but I did want to direct listeners to the fact that you have a fantastic podcast, Didn't I Just Feed You? You have a couple of wonderful cookbooks. One is called Winner, Winner, Chicken Dinner, 50 Winning Ways to Cook It Up, and also Make It Easy, 120 Mix and Match Recipes to Cook from Scratch with Smart Store-Bought Shortcuts When You Need Them. And then also, you were a guest a while back for episode 113, Non-Judgy Food Tips for Families, which I will link up. So I'm so grateful to you for coming back, especially at this busy time of year. I'm so happy to be back because I love speaking to parents about food, especially this time of year. This is when I feel like we need the most help when we're so busy and overwhelmed. So I'm just thrilled to be here. Wonderful. Well, yes, we all need help. So let's dive right in. Let's do it. Let's do it. I would love to start big picture with a grounding moment about feeding kids and the pressure parents feel about feeding their kids and feeding them well, especially perhaps, you know, when kids are not particularly interested in options other than mac and cheese or grilled cheese. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure you hear this all the time. And so I would love to hear from you a key piece of advice that you might give to parents about taking the pressure off themselves. Okay. I love this question. I fear a tiny bit that I'm going to annoy people right off the bat. <laughs> I feel like parents often come to me 
wanting a magic bullet, wanting Mm -hmm. that meal or that recipe or that tip that's going to just make things in the kitchen easier. And the real thing that makes things in the kitchen easier is to let go a little bit. Mm -hmm. Your kids are okay. They really are. There are, of course, parents who are grappling with, you know, sensory issues or behavioral issues that have a relationship to food issues. In those cases, most parents are already in touch with the pediatrician, with other people who are part of their child's support network, and it gets worked out. I mean, mm-hmm. even the pickiest eaters will end up being okay, especially if it's part of a constellation of, you know, challenges that the kid is working through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this whole idea of we have to raise kids to love kale which is something that I feel like the food media has really, family food media has really like left you with this impression that if you're not raising your own tomatoes in the backyard Mm -hmm. and if your kid doesn't love kale or isn't eating garbanzo beans and oysters by the time they're eight, that you have failed. And the truth is you have not. It Uh really depends on your values, your own relationship with food, what matters to you, if you even like to cook. So just let it be. I think Uh that the most harmful thing that we can do is get into power struggles and arguments with our kids about food. Mm. Because if the goal is not to get them to like kale, then what is the goal? And in my opinion, it's about raising kids who have a healthy relationship with food, Mm -hmm. raising kids who know how to moderate themselves, raising kids who know how to make balanced food choices that make sense for their bodies and for their lifestyle, and for their level of activity. And that's going to look different for one person than it will for another. So, you know, helping kids find their way Mm -hmm. is more important than making sure that their plate looks a certain way at the end of the night. Yeah, I love that so much. And I really think about it, I think in, who knows, perhaps I got this tip from you at some point, but I just feel like I look at food and family, especially just thinking a little more long-term and in um, also adding in different variables. Like, so for example, I, I can't remember exactly where I picked this up, but one recommendation I heard once was, you know, don't obsess about what your kid is eating in that one day. Like, think about, is it balanced over a week? Like roughly, is it okay? Like, is it taking into account how much activity they've had? You know, can you, and we certainly are more cool with additional sweets if, you know, Vi's been running around playing soccer, that kind of stuff. So I think you just, you you can't be one, there's no one prescriptive way to do it. Absolutely. And kids are on their own food journey. I really believe that one of the most powerful ways that we can sort of protect our children from having difficult and even unhealthy relationship with food is to instill a sense of food joy Mm. which is just really feeling safe around all kinds of foods, feeling like, you know, everything's available to them. It all nourishes you to not judge yourself when you eat a certain thing, which means not judging a particular food. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, for me, because I wasn't raised that way and I was raised very deep in diet culture and it's taken mm-hmm. me a long time to start to even recognize that, much less untangle it. Mm-hmm. That has meant kind of fumbling through as I let my teens find their own way. And for an example, 
you know, and I know this, this sounds like I'm talking about a teenager, but it actually can apply to a picky eater who's much younger, who you might be worried about out there. Isaac was a great eater. He's my 15 year old. Now, probably as a form of rebellion, probably because it's tasty, probably because he lives in New York City and he's just off on his own and he like just wants what's convenient and fast and what his kids are eating. He is so, so into fast food mm-hmm. in a way that like really like, <laughs> makes me anxious. Uh-huh, I'm going to be uh-huh. honest. It makes me anxious because even when I look at, I don't obsess over what he's eaten today and I look at what he's eaten in a week, it's still not that great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a <laughs> good know? point. Yeah. But I am talking to him about it. I am providing him with lots of options that I feel good about and that I would hope he would learn to love. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to avoid using the word healthier because it's all kind of relative mm-hmm. and I don't want to judge it for other people. But for us, it's like making sure he just has more veggies and fruit and make that available to him at home. And now we really have to let go and let him figure it out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That reminds me of another piece of advice that I talk to new parents about all the time, which is, again, sorry, I can't remember the source, but uh, <laughs> it, it was saying that, you know, that our job as parents is not to is to put out options, you know, good options, yep. a range of options, but we can't force it down our kids throats. And I know that there are issues to that, you know, related to waste. And if you're, you know, I grew up in yes. an immigrant low income family. So like food waste was not an option. Same. Right. But totally. <laughs> so. I think it's just a good reminder that there are issues kind of all over the place and you just got to give yourself a little bit of breathing room around it. Absolutely. And I also just want to, you know, I want people to take that in for themselves. I also want to say that when you, when you stop judging yourself for how you feed your kids, you can also stop judging other people. Oh, and yeah. I think yeah, that that's one great. of the things in family food media is it becomes very easy to judge other parents for how they feed their kids. Mm-hmm. And also, I also came from a low-income in- immigrant family. I'm mm-hmm. first generation. And you really don't know what's happening behind closed doors. There's budget constraints. There's access, different levels of access, whether you live in a city or in a rural area. There's so many factors you know, are the way that we, like I said before, whether you like to cook, all of these things impact the decisions we make. Mm. And I think it's really important to like give ourselves grace and then also give other parents grace and realize that like, that's a very personal decision, how people feed their kids and just let it be. It's not a reflection. It doesn't make you a good or a bad parent. We're all just trying to make our way through this. Oh my gosh. I love it. And I feel like we just did our food and family therapy session in the morning and now <laughs> love it. and now we can, uh, you know, roll on to some tactics. This is very yes. out of your life, the way this is shaping up. <laughs> well, let's, let's move on to a, a tactic actually. Yes. You recently did an episode on setting up kids to pack their own lunch. It's episode 211 on didn't I just feed you, which I was like, yay. So I will link that episode in the show notes, but I, I guess I want to reel it back and ask you what one of your top ta- tactics might be for a kid who is very resistant to the mere idea mm. of, <laughs> mm, I like of, it. of prepping their own lunch. I like strong-willed children. <laughs> I was one myself. Beautiful. Um, okay. So I would say, like, take a step even further back. Mm. Why are they resistant and why do you want them to pack their own lunch? So the name of the episode, I think... I titled it, I should remember, right? But I think it's something like, you know, 
getting your kid to pack their own lunch, every parent's dream, or is it? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I said, or is it, is because <laughs> at the end of the day, like, do you need your kid to pack their own lunch? Like, is it because other kids are doing it? If you do, why? Just really assessing the situation, I think, is important because if you're going to obsess over what they put in their lunchbox and you're going to check afterwards and it's going to become a headache for you and a headache for them, then maybe this isn't the task that they should be doing on their own. If you're really going to give them autonomy and allow them to pack their own lunch and take care of themselves, then that's fantastic. Let them do that. And all you have to do is kind of set them up ahead of time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one of the ways that you can set them up ahead of time is by setting expectations. I mean, this is kind of basic parenting stuff, right? We're just applying it to the packing of school lunch. Right. What do you expect them to have in their lunchbox? A vegetable? This is what I did. I did. We had a planet box lunchbox, which is my favorite. And we can talk about why, if that's interesting to you. But it had four compartments, a vegetable, a fruit, what I used to call the main, some people might call it the protein, and then a snack. Then make a list of all the things they like in each of the categories that are an expectation that they need to meet and make the list with them. And then make sure you always have that stuff on hand. Now they are completely set up. I also think it's pretty important to set up a station where it's really easy for them to have all the tools they need to pack lunch, especially if they're younger kids. So one spot that's an easy reach where they can grab their thermos, their lunchbox, the lunchbox holder, whether it's like a little sleeve or whatever, so that everything is as easy as possible and as set up for them as possible. And then let go of the reins. And if you find that it's really hard to let go of the reins or that your kid is still really resistant after they've really, truly been empowered, then I think assess. We don't, you know, I don't know. I'm probably a little biased because I loved packing lunch for my kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I found it to be something like a little, a way that I could pack a little bit of like love and joy. It felt like I was packing a kiss in their backpack for them during the day. I love that. But that's because... I love food and I work in food and it was easy for me. Mm -hmm. We don't have to give up doing everything for them to get them to be autonomous or to help. You know, I I really think it needs to match your life and you need to figure out why is this kid resistant to packing their lunch in the first place? Yeah. And see if you can solve that problem and then just set up, set up, set up, set up. You know that feeling when it's six o'clock and you don't know where you're going to cook and you open the fridge and you're like, oh, mm. <laughs> and you get stressed. Like, what am I going to do here? This is a nightmare. That's how a kid who is being told that they need to pack their school lunch feels when they open the fridge and it's like and they don't know where to go or they don't know where mm-hmm. everything is or they don't have any ideas yet. You know, it's like just being thrown into the fire and they're probably tired if it's the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, they it's might be overwhelming. There's got to be a reason why they're resistant. So figure that out and reduce the friction there. I think in most cases you reduce the friction by with preparedness. Yeah, I love this. And this conversation is making me realize that I actually don't mind making school lunch either. But what I do mind is feeling taken for granted. And yes. so whenever... There's a moment where, you know, well, now I just have one at home, but 
if my kid offers to help or just says, thanks, mom, you make so many lunches, I feel like everything's better. Like I, <laughs> so this is, this is very therapeutic. I'm finding this yes, really fascinating. <laughs> totally. And I think, you know, like if your kid is old enough, share that with them, that that's all you need. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're not in the business. I don't know. I really, maybe it comes from being raised by immigrants, like where I really felt like there was so much unspoken expectation about mm-hmm. how I was to treat my parents, you know, what it meant to be a child, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just being a child in my family meant I had to behave in all these ways that didn't feel very natural to me mm-hmm. as a kid growing up here in the States. And I just feel like, and gosh, that actually kind of continues into adult life. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. Seriously. So you know, many like, issues. So many issues. Like in my Greek family, you know, a concrete ex- example, my mom just feels like she should be able to drop by my house at any time mm-hmm. without warning and come in. And like, because she's my mother, come in. You're welcome. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you've interrupted my day. It doesn't matter what my other plans are. Like, everything should stop. My mom is here. Or, you know, she'll just be here and start cooking or start rearranging things and I can go about my day. What's the problem? Well, that's just not, that's just not how I work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so just communicating expectations and telling your kids, you know, like, it'd be really nice if you thanked me. (laughs) Yeah. Makes a huge difference. (laughs) Huge. I want to loop back because you mentioned Planet Box. And actually one of the questions I did want to ask is if you have a favorite school lunch product or two, like for example receptacles or water bottles that don't just develop gross mold on them? Like, does that exist? I I don't know. I don't know. I wish I could tell you. I actually, as soon as we're done, I have to go online and buy a whole new set of water bottles. School started yesterday. (laughs) We're like completely out. I don't know where they are. The ones we have are (laughs) gross. But I will tell you, Planet Box is my favorite lunchbox Okay. Everybody's always like, okay, give me one other one in case I don't like Planet Box. And, and you're I like, really, you'll be fine. <laughs> I know. I really, I really can't endorse anything else. My boys had them from the time they were in kindergarten all the way through middle school until I stopped packing lunch. Wow. One, bo- one lunch box. Mm-hmm. The sleeve is a different story. So I wouldn't get the more expensive bag. I would just get this simple sleeve. I don't remember how they, if you go onto their site, planetbox.com, you'll be able to see. It's Mm -hmm. very clear, which is the sleeve versus the bag. Mm -hmm. That would get credit at the end of the year. So that's important to like take inside, you know, put it inside out, wipe it down every day. And then by the end of the year, it's sort of trashed. Mm -hmm. But the lunchbox itself is stainless steel. It never leaked for me. There are little containers that are made with silicone tops that you can put inside so that you can pack, you know, it's just very flexible mm-hmm. and it's dishwasher safe. Did I say that already? I love oh it so gosh, much. Yay. They just had one. It was so durable. Um, so that's my favorite. And the other one that I like that is a much less expensive option, it's a little bit more disposable, although it's not single use plastic. You can use them for about a school year. Easy lunch boxes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love easy lunch boxes and I especially love their smaller snack container boxes for sports. Oh, I'm going to have to look those up. Okay. Love it. Cause I could just pack for my 12 year old, a whole bunch of different snacks that he can just keep with an ice pack and a bag in his backpack that he can like eat on his way to flag football practice mm-hmm. when he's going on his own, especially 
it's really great. Or packing a whole bunch of snacks if that sports practice is, you know, that inconvenient time where they're starving, but you're not going to give them dinner in the car. Like, how's it going to work? Mm-hmm. I just love packing hearty snacks in those easy lunch boxes. You never want to get hangry. It's always oh important gosh. to uh, so bad. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, as you know, my eldest is now at college and uh, the first order of business was for me to well, I sent her with a lot of snacks, but I packed a big care package full of like all manner snacks and it was she's she was just really happy about it. So <laughs> I know. And, you know, some kids don't realize that they get hangry. My older yeah. one doesn't realize he's like, no, I'm fine. What's wrong? <laughs> I'm like, okay. My like, younger I know exactly one knows. what's fine. What's, yes, what's exactly. Wrong? Exactly. My younger one, though, knows he gets hangry and is like, loves having snacks on hand all the time. Oh, my He's gosh. He's a big snacker. So, those, so good. these easy lunch boxes are my favorite. All right, cool. Well, I will link all that up in the notes. We have more to chat about, but we're going to just take a quick break. Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, friends, I'm back with the wonderful Stacey Billis. We are having a tactical conversation, but also a therapeutic conversation. So thanks <laughs> to do that. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so good. I needed that. Okay. Well, you mentioned preparedness earlier. And I would love to hear I because Edit Your Life listeners, it's so great. We love talking about food and also people love sharing ideas and and love the actual um, you know, specific recommendations. So I was wondering. What are like three to five favorite staples you have in your house to fuel school lunches? Like, for example, for us, as long as we have, you know, like cheese, tortilla, hummus and fruit of any kind around, everything's going to be okay. What does it look like in your house? Okay, so very similar. 
The other thing is that that I want to add, because string cheese, hummus, tortillas, sandwich bread, these are staples. I really actually, let's hang on tortillas for just one second, because I do think that having several different kinds of breads and bready options makes packing lunch feel less boring and rote when it's Mm -hmm. not just on sandwich bread all the time. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to change it up. Sandwich bread, tortillas, pita, pita chips, buy a nice loaf of crusty bread. You know, you can buy it frozen if you don't want to have to worry about using it up within a couple of days. You know, the kind that you get at the bakery. All these different kinds of bread lend themselves to different feeling lunches with all the same ingredients. You know, it's like genius. Yeah. A hummus mezza plate versus a hummus sandwich, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. or like a sandwich kebab using crusty bread where you just take the ham and you fold it up and put it, you know, thread it on a skewer with hunks of crusty bread as opposed to just another ham and cheese sandwich. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of changes things up. Um, I also always buy something that I call lunchbox vegetables. Oh, so, so like prepared like celery sticks and things? Yep. And sometimes okay. they're prepared. Sometimes they're not. But I I asked my sons early on, what vegetables do you like to have in your lunchbox? And it was edamame, celery, cucumber, ro- red pepper, not roasted red pepper. They like raw red pepper. And so even if I hadn't made a meal plan, even if I hadn't made a grocery list, I knew that every single week... I was going to buy these vegetables and there would always be a vegetable that could go into their lunchbox. Cherry tomatoes are another really good one if your kids eat them. They're great for packing lunch. So always had that stuff around. Mm. Once my kids got older, instead of just thinking about like sandwiches, lunch meat, you know, the all the basic stuff, I started hitting the freezer section a little bit more. So I love the freezer section. I <laughs> love the freezer section because of the nature of how I cook, given my profession and that I'm always recipe developing. I never really bought frozen foods because I do so much cooking from scratch all the time, you know, as much for work as for my family. My family just kind of gets the spill off. It's a it's a benefit of the job. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. But once my kids got older and I really wanted to empower them to make their own snacks and sometimes their own meals, I started hitting the freezer section hard. And with the rise in popularity of air fryers, this is so genius. They can do it all themselves. Taquitos, uh, frozen samosas. Um, you know, there's so many different things out there right now. Meatballs. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. <laughs> Meatballs are great. And then literally, I mean, my 15-year-old couldn't be more cooking averse. But if all he has to do is pull it out of the box and throw it into the air fryer and press a button, he'll do it. And that's great because I think these kinds of foods make really good snacks for older kids who have bigger appetites and need more filling, you know, something more filling than just pretzels and hummus after school. They're Mm -hmm. great for between school and sports. And they're great for packing lunch, you know, frozen taquitos, like samosas used to be my kids, one of my kids' favorite lunches. Oh my gosh, that sounds like that sounds amazing. And I just um since you mentioned freezer foods and since this just happened yesterday, I know some people are they just have feelings about leftovers and they're not into them, but I'm a huge fan of leftovers. And so um last night I just roasted a tray of like I just chopped and made French fries, not hard, like yeah. out of just potatoes. Yeah. And then but then I used I had some like Trader Joe's 
freezer chicken that was breaded or something. And I just made two big trays. And then while it was cleanup time after, just packed the stuff in lunchboxes after. And yeah, it just makes life so much easier. So I would recommend embracing leftovers. Totally. (laughs) And yes, I want to talk about leftovers. I also want to say that people have a perception that frozen food is unhealthy. And that is not the case. There is a huge array of options at this point in the supermarket. And so many brands that are making, if this is something that's important to you, vegetarian, vegan, gluten-free, all natural foods. And I can't remember the brand off the top of my name, but I'll send you the link so that you can include it in the show notes. But, oh, Feel Good Foods, that's what they're called. Mm -hmm, Feel mm -hmm. Good Foods makes all of this great vegetarian and vegan, and actually they have meat stuff too that's gluten-free, sausage rolls and egg rolls. My kids love this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it really is convenient, which is the name of the game. So are leftovers. So I'm really glad that you brought them up because another important strategy, if your kid is open to leftovers, or you feel like you're pretty skilled at turning little bits of leftovers into something new that you can pack into school lunch. If you meal plan or when you cook, even if you haven't meal planned, cook with leftovers being intentional. Make sure that you yeah. have something left over mm-hmm. because then you cook once and you eat twice, which is one of the big principles that didn't I just feed you. Mm-hmm. So if your kid likes chicken and you're cooking chicken in any way, shape, or form, just make extra. Like, you'll figure it out. You'll shred it up. You'll chop it. You can turn it into anything from chicken salad to a quesadilla to just serving it up with a little bit of rice. I mean, talk about convenience foods again, those microwave rice pouches. I used to make merciless fun. (laughs) The microwave pouches of pasta that's already cooked. I was like, oh my gosh. We've gone too far. Like, you can't cook pasta. This is insane. (laughs) But guess what the answer is? My 15-year-old son, he's the one who can't cook pasta and won't. He just won't. He Like, he would, he'll end up not eating overcooking if that's what the options are. Right. Right. So those microwave pouches, fantastic for Mm -hmm. him. Fantastic for school lunch. Real quick, pop it in the microwave. Toss it with some leftover chicken or some rice and edamame, and you have a main for the lunchbox right there. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, my my philosophy around here is you can stick anything, any little remnants of leftovers in a burrito or a quesadilla. Yes. It just hundred <laughs> percent. So good. And the way you feel about that is how I feel about meatballs. I have didn't I just oh, feed you yeah. as an entire episode on meatballs? Because I feel so passionately about all the things you can turn meatballs into. So oh my gosh. I'm adding to meatballs. my playlist. Yes. Adding. I want to <laughs> yes. know. I, I'm, I'm just so curious. I want to know more. Gyros, subs, soup, pastas, <gasps> like the possibilities are endless with a bag of meatballs. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. 
Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Okay. Well, you mentioned sports a couple times. So I think, well, for sure, I don't think. Another signal for back-to-school season in my house is just tight timelines around sports because it they just always happen at dinner hour. Um, So I was wondering if you can share some of your favorite lightning fast family friendly dinner ideas. If you've got like links to recipes on your site, of course, fire them over for the show notes. But I'm just curious. I always love to hear hear how it goes down. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the sports thing is funny because I have two kids who are in different sports and they're always on a different schedule. So I end up making dinner ahead of time a lot Mm. because even if they don't, you know, my kids are old enough that they're getting to and from kind of on their own, but someone always needs something somewhere. (laughs) So when it's 6 PM, sometimes it's hard for me to even start making dinner at that point. Mm -hmm. So I'm often making dinner at 4 PM. Sometimes if I'm going to be out of the house, I normally work from home, but if I'm out at meetings all day, I want to make dinner in the morning So I'm either reheating it for all of us or everybody's reheating their portion at a different time. So I love my Instant Pot. I love making things like chilies and soups and stews, especially now that it's getting chilly. Those are so great. They develop flavor overnight. You can even make it the day before and it's great the next day. Really easy to reheat in a big batch or in an individual portion. My kids are partial to, I make a green and white chicken chili and I can share the link for that. It's from my cookbook. Yeah, it's from Winter (laughs) Winter Chicken Dinner, but it's actually on my site too. I've shared it. And that's a great one because it doesn't feel like it's necessarily fall winter chili. It's all year chili. (laughs) So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like it's out of season. Mm -hmm. Um, I call them 10 minute tostadas. I actually have a link to these too, even though you really don't need a link. Buy a high quality bean dip. I love the one from Trader Joe's. It's like a spicy chipotle black bean dip. It Mm -hmm. is so tasty. Or even just a can of your favorite refried beans. Tostadas, shredded cheese, or if you don't like shredded cheese and you're willing to shred it yourself, a block of cheddar, some pico de gallo that's pre-made or your favorite salsa. 
This is basically one of those meals that feels homemade, but you can make entirely from store-bought stuff and just comes together in 10 minutes and everyone Gosh, can make it. them on their own. You just take the tostada, you spread on the bean dip, you sprinkle on the cheese, you put it under the broiler and everyone tops their own. It's also a really fantastic one if you pick up a rotisserie bird mm-hmm. or you have leftover protein that you want to stretch. It's really great or leftover roast vegetables because you can just add, you know, top the beans with that. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with eggs. We also on Didn't I Just Feed You have an entire episode on eggs. <laughs> I think that they are so versatile. You know, if you don't like them, you don't like them. I get it. But if you do, there's a whole world of things that you can do with eggs. I remember when I learned that in some South Asian cultures, they will make a very quick curry sauce and then just nestle hard-boiled eggs inside the curry sauce. Yeah. I was like, that is genius. Yes. Because I make a big batch of hard-boiled eggs at the top of the week for myself, mostly yes, for breakfast. Uh-huh. But I can share a recipe that I love that I used um, when I first, now I just do it on my own. It's just like some curry powder and shallots. And you can even use a store-bought, very simple, not too sweet marinara. But I'll send a link if you guys want. Yes, please do. Um, Shakshuka is another great egg one. You can make the sauce ahead of time and then you literally just crack eggs into the sauce and let it cook. I love crispy sheet pan gnocchi. Mm-hmm. And that's one that's become wildly popular. If you're someone who searches for recipes, you've certainly come across it, but it is so versatile. I've never loved, I grew up in New Jersey, a lot of Italian-American food that's really top-notch in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So store-bought gnocchi in the plastic vacuum-sealed package was never my thing. But if you toss it with a little bit of olive oil and then you put it on a sheet pan and roast it, it comes out perfect, a little crispy on the outside, soft and pillowy on the inside. And then you can throw whatever else you want on that sheet pan. Any seasonal vegetables, whether it's squash in the winter or pieces of asparagus in the springtime, peppers, cherry tomatoes, and you just roast it up and it's ready to go. And I have to say one more thing, because crisping the gnocchi also made me think about crisping pre-cooked rice on a sheet pan. Ooh, okay. This is all evidence for the case file that everything... Like the sheet pan, the roasting pans are the highest rotation items in my kitchen. Absolutely. And I, I just toss anything on there and do two, two pans at once. Just put different stuff on it. <laughs> it is there. Absolutely. It's the best. Crispy rice was a revelation. I kind of had the thought like halfway when I was making sheet pan gnocchi at one point. And then I came across a recipe from Eric Kim, who's mm-hmm. one of my favorite current food writers. He develops recipes for the New York Times. And I was had obsessed a, with your interview with him, by the way. I yeah. love him so much. Yeah. He makes a sheet pan bibimbap that became like immediately in heavy rotation in my house. Everybody loves it. And it's vegetarian. And I have two boys that normally when you feed them a vegetarian meal, they're like, where's the meat? What's happening? Mm-hmm. They love it. But just the idea of taking pre-cooked rice, spreading it on a sheet pan that's been preheated And letting it get crispy just feels like a game changer. Then rice becomes the basis for a meal in a whole new and exciting way. You know, you could even just literally crack some eggs and fry them and serve them on top with a yummy sauce, like a chimichurri or a chili Ah! crunch. It's so good. So So good. 
these are the kinds of like really like quick prep can be served warm or room temperature. Everyone can kind of grab their own. I think of them as just like kitchen counter meals. Like I can prep it. I leave it on the counter and then everybody, you know, takes their portion as they come in and out from their various activities. I love it. So good. And I just feel, you know, I'm a, a, I cook almost every night and I just, um, I feel super inspired to try some of these new techniques. So it's so (laughs) awesome. Well, listen, Stacey, I need to let you go very soon, but I just have one last question. So as you might recall, at the end of each episode, I have my guests share what I like to call your next edit. It's a super actionable tip that listeners can consider doing right away after they finish listening. I know you've given a bunch of tips, but I would be curious if in the context of our chat, if something has, you know, stood out to you as a your next edit for this episode. Oh, that's such a great question. I love that you do this. And I really hope I don't frustrate your listeners by suggesting something that's a little more mental than giving a particular cooking. I tip. love it. I love it. You do you. <laughs> but because I really feel like I want parents to understand that they're already doing great. They're mm. already doing great. Your kids are fed. They go off in the morning. You're, you know, you have the privilege of being able to feed them and you're doing the job and it's a hard, relentless job that never ends. Special shout out to the families and the parents and caregivers who don't like cooking because mm-hmm. you and I get some joy out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something in there for us. So I think that, you know, the next time it might take different shape for different listeners. The next time your selective eater throws a fit, just be calm and be okay with it and know that this is their food journey and you didn't do anything wrong. It's not because your food sucks. It's just the way it is. Mm. And let it go knowing that they'll be okay. Or if it's, you know, the next time you make something and everyone's like, what? Like this is for dinner. Mm." That you just enjoy every bite for yourself. (laughs) Yep. Take it in. And if you made it for them and you don't even like it, your next meal, make it for you. I want you to pick something that you love, that you want to eat, because you need to start with your own food joy if you want to instill that in your kids. Okay, that's going on a quote card. Stacey, you you are amazing. I love you. And as I said at the top of the episode, you just always exude warmth and just beauty and awesomeness. So I'm so grateful to you for jumping on the line with me today. This was awesome. I love it. I love you back. And I hope this was helpful to everybody. Thank you so much. Okay, friends, you'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at Edit Your Life Show or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. 
It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.